Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It's a short passage, but it's a powerful passage. Starting with verse 13, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Lord, we thank you that when we heard your word that we responded, God, that you filled us with the Holy Spirit, God, that you work in and through us by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that we're sealed with the precious Holy Spirit, that, Lord, that you desire that we would all just come hands wide open waiting on you, God. So I pray, Holy Spirit, would you just fill this place right now? Would you anoint my lips, my thoughts, my words, Lord? I know, Holy Spirit, that you've already, you've already authored this, this message. So I just ask that you would speak powerfully, not only in the people here's life, but in my life, God. Thank you that you use your word that you authored, Holy Spirit, to speak to us. Speak to us this morning as only you can, in Jesus' name, amen. So as a young man, I never expected to be redirected by God. I honestly never thought I would be standing here today. Like, this is really bizarre for me to think, like, when I was a younger guy that I would actually be in front of you preaching the gospel. I, it wasn't part of my life's plan. I didn't think, like, I'm going to go to seminary, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. It just wasn't part of it. In fact, I kind of sometimes use a stronger word. I say I was ambushed by Jesus, which is kind of hard to say, but it's, it's really more of redirected by Jesus. My wife and he- Heidi and I were married for just a few years when we had our first child. His name is Spencer, and we wanted to begin our family and settle down in, in a home, and we'd been blessed that we had our own business. My wife, Heidi, is very entrepreneurial. She started a business when we first got married, and we had enough for a small down payment. So when we first moved in, I had kind of long hair, and I moved into the neighborhood, and like the guy across the street was like, oh, man, a hippie moves in. Great. You know? And he was kind of leery, and I don't know. Maybe I was leery, too, but I don't, I don't even know. But he invited me over the first day that we were there, he made hamburgers for us. It was really nice. We sat on his porch, kind of get to know him a little bit. He was an amazing man. He'd gone through a lot of life struggles. He'd been in the Vietnam War. Um, he was remarried, and he was in his like mid-40s. He had started a new family with his new wife, and he was incredibly talented. He was one of these guys that can fix or do anything. You know guys like that, you, you see them, you're like, wow, you know, can you come over to my place, please? I need some help. Um, but he, he was just really talented in a lot of ways, but he was struggling. He was struggling, and he happened to be a county marshal. So he had some stability in his life through his job, but Pat was also what I would call a weekend warrior. So, you know, he'd go through the week, do his week, get by, but then on the weekends, this guy just let loose. He... He was like just starting Friday night until Sunday afternoon. He was just going for it. He was partying hard, and it was wearing on him, quite honestly. It was wearing on him. I didn't know that at the time, but he was going through a lot of struggles. So what was interesting about our relationship was Pat would consistently 
when he saw me, invite me to come sit on his porch, and he would, in, as he did that, start philosophizing and telling me his worldview. And what was great was the Holy Spirit would show up. The Holy Spirit would show up and just say, Nick, I want you to say this. And I'd say, hmm, have you ever been in one of those places? I'm sure you guys all have. Like, you pray, God, would you please use me? And then when it happens, you're like, what am I going to say? You know, you're just like, I, I need you right now. Please, God, give me some words, you know? Um, so I began to pray for Pat's salvation on a, on a daily basis. I mean, this guy is an amazing man. I was like, God, please save him. But as I began to pray, I would frequently keep going over there and sit on his porch and talk about things. He would ask me questions about God, about Jesus, about religion in general. He had been raised a Catholic and had had some really hard times, not just within the church, but just in his own life, dealing with who God was, all the things that have happened to him. You know, he'd seen his friends die in Vietnam. He had gone through a divorce, a lot of really hard things. So I, I was constantly praying that the Holy Spirit would give me words to say, and I realized that I was desperate for God to work through me. That desperation that, God, please work through me. I can't do this. I was completely inadequate apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. I, I had no ability to do anything. But the beauty is, is that though I was inadequate apart from the Spirit, we are more than adequate with the Spirit. Amen? Like God works through us in amazing ways when we rely on the Holy Spirit to do, to work in our lives. So it's funny that in your mind, when you're talking to someone like this, you have this whole thing planned out. You're like, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that, I'm going to say this. You know, you go home after the first time that was a little awkward and you're like, oh, I've got a whole plan. Like I've got this whole Romans road thing and I've got this. And, I'm here. and then when you get into the conversation, bam, it does not happen that way at all. The people are like, wait a minute, I want to ask you about this. And you're like, I, you're not supposed to ask that question right now. That's not going down the road I was talking about. But it happens. And, you know, these conversations just kept happening more often, more frequently. But God was moving in, in my friend Pat's life. He was moving. You, I could see it. I could sense that it was happening. And I was just praying, like, how is this going to happen? I know, God, you're speaking to him. What's going to happen in his life? God has so much grace on us when we trust in him in this way. Sometimes I would be literally blown away at God's divine intervention in our conversations. And after time, I sensed the Holy Spirit leading me to start a Bible study. And this had nothing to do with Pat. Like, this was this thing. God was like, I want you to start a Bible study. I said, am I crazy? I'm not gonna, I don't know about that. Lord kept impressing it. The Holy Spirit kept impressing on my heart. Start a Bible study. I didn't even tell my wife yet. I was like, I think I'm kind of crazy. Like, am I really supposed to do this? So one day I go over to Pat's and I say, hey, Pat, um, it's really weird. We get on this conversation. I say, hey, Pat, it's really weird. But I sense that God wants me to start a Bible study. He says, great, let's have it at my house. I'm like, are you kidding me? Have it at your house? You're not even saved. Okay, that was my confirmation, of course, you know, let's, let's do this. So this was the beginning of the Holy Spirit teaching me what it looked like to pastor a group of people um, and through the struggles and joys of life, because that's what happens when you are in community. 
you see the struggles, you see the joys, you see the good, you see the bad, but God uses all those things and he sharpens us as we work through them together. This would be the first of many times that the Holy Spirit would speak to me and work in my life in that kind of a way. In fact, even being here at Reality Carpinteria is crazy to me. Like, I sat here for many years and were where you guys are right now and never could have imagined that God was going to lead me here. But he did, and the Holy Spirit confirmed that. And that's why I can say that he has a plan for all of us, you and me, all of us, have God has a plan for. So, you know, if you would have asked people when they knew me back then, um, who is Nick? They would have said, well, you know, in, in terms of Christianity, that is. He's pretty much an uneducated, common guy. And, and that's okay, because God likes to use people like that. You know, that was the description God used for the disciples, that they were uneducated, common men. I was completely aware of my inadequacies as a teacher, pastor, and leader, but I knew all the more how desperately I needed to rely on the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. As my guide in every aspect of life, I needed his power. The truth is that we all need to rely on the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this alone. When Jesus began to tell the disciples of his imminent departure from this world, the questions that they posed to him were completely practical, logical questions that a first century believer would ask. Wait a minute, you're going to leave? What am I supposed to do? How am I going to live my life? Where's the power going to come from? You're the one that does everything. Well, they, as I said earlier, they were also uneducated common men, and they were sent into a world where Rome ruled, but hope reigned. It's a context that God puts us in many times, as even we're in right now. You know, the world's crazy right now, but hope reigns because we have a hope in Jesus. Jesus is going to be the one that walks us through, that guides us through, that leads us through, that gives us the words to say when we don't know what to say. They looked to Jesus to be the Messiah who would rule and reign with all authority in heaven and earth. They were unable to understand Jesus' departure from this world. We're no different than they are. They were desperate for the Holy Spirit in their lives. We all are in desperate need of the guidance of the Holy Spirit that he provides daily. We have a deep need for God to intervene through us. And in order to live this Christian life, we must receive from the Spirit. In Ephesians 1.13, you know, it says that in him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Paul says very clearly that when you believe in the gospel, you receive the Holy Spirit, and he uses it as a seal. And this was very important during that day to understand, because in the ancient world, a seal represented ownership and protection. You know, if you were, say that you were adopted into a family, you would actually get a signet ring from your father that would be a seal of the fact that you were in his family. And we are sealed through the power of the Holy Spirit in the family of God in the same kind of a way. The gift of the Holy Spirit not only empowers believers to live holy lives, but also serves as a guarantee and reminder God will one day fully complete his work in all believers. 
And why does this matter? Because the Christian life is absolutely impossible apart from the Holy Spirit. And what Paul says here is an echo of what Jesus told the disciples before he ascended into heaven in the book of Acts. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What was the last commandment that the risen Jesus gave to his assembled apostles? He told the disciples to wait for the promise of the Father. What was the task given to this group of people that would go on to establish the largest religion in the world? Do nothing. Wait. That's hard for us to do. To wait when God tells us, hey, I want you to do something. Your first thought is, how am I going to do it? What am I going to do? How's my plan? You know, like we're all, we're, we all do things like that. And those things are not bad. But in God's economy, he wants to do the work in and through us. And he wants us to wait for his power to fall upon us. So this is interesting. I myself hate waiting. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. And I love Disneyland. Does anyone here love Disneyland? Yeah, there we go. Some fans. Um, but the thing about Disneyland that's interesting is I used to go there and I used to hate the fact that I had to wait. I, I would be sitting there and going, this is such a bummer. Then I recognized that if I went with friends and I was waiting, it was actually fun because we could like hang out during the time. But what is great about the waiting when you go to a place like Disneyland, even though you spend more time waiting than going on the rides, it's worth it because you get to go on the ride, right? And for those of you that haven't, you got to go on the Star Wars ride. I'm not going to say anything about it. It's amazing. Like, I'm just telling you, it blew my mind. It's unbelievable. But think about how hard it was to hear this word of instruction for the first century believers. You know, for days they did nothing. There was so much need. There was so much to be done. So many lives were at stake. And Jesus says as clearly as he possibly could, first and foremost, don't do anything. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. It's through him and him alone that we are equipped to carry out anything that has to do with anything we call ministry. And I want you to know that ministry is not just people that work at the church. We, as pastors, are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You are the work of the ministry. All of us are the work of the ministry. So, you know, looking at all this, many of you have heard the saying that we say commonly here at Reality Carpinteria, all ministry flows from intimacy. This is a truth, true meaning, and this begins with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The reason why we say that all ministry flows from intimacy is that intimate time when you're alone, when you're waiting, that's when God speaks to you. That's when he empowers you to do the thing he's called you to do. Why does Paul when he greets the Ephesians, remind them that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit when they believed in Jesus. Because apart from the Holy Spirit, we can't do anything else that Paul goes on to say in all the epistles. But first, do nothing. But it's not because there's nothing to do. He's showing the disciples and us that our purpose cannot be accomplished by anything we can provide. We must receive from the Spirit the Spirit alone is how Jesus makes his home in us. Have you ever thought about the fact that you are a walking temple 
The Bible tells us that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And when I think about that, it blows my mind because to enter the temple in early Judaism, you had to do a bunch of different things, right? It wasn't just like walk in, you can go in and talk to God. It was like, no, the high priest once a year went to the Holy of Holies and they put bells on his feet in case something happened to him and he wasn't able to come out, if you know what I'm talking about. So we take that seriously. But then Jesus says that we can boldly enter into the Holy of Holies. We have full access to the Father because of what he's done. And in reality, Carpinteria, this is encouragement for us, for all of us. Maybe the Ephesians were overwhelmed with the tax set before the church. Maybe they were overwhelmed by the challenges that were before them. Maybe they were overwhelmed by the pressures of the world that many of us today are overwhelmed with. But the good news for them is the same good news for us, and that is where Paul begins. We must receive from the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is given to us right at the beginning of our Christian walk. When we receive Jesus Christ, he fills us with the Holy Spirit. So maybe, like the early disciples and possibly the Ephesians, we too think of the hardships of the world, how difficult it will be to follow Jesus with all these things in the world. We say to ourselves, if Jesus was only beside me, I'd be able to do this so much easier. If he was here, it would be so much greater. Many of us are striving, trying, and pushing to live out our Christian lives alone. We need Jesus with us. How can that be since he's in heaven? You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul tells us in Ephesians 1. To underline this point, do you remember what Jesus told the disciples in the Gospel of John as he prepared for his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension? If I do not go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. What could possibly be better than Jesus right next to them? Well, there are several reasons, but one very obvious reason is that the ministry of Jesus would no longer just be localized. It wasn't set on the fact that one man was walking around anymore, but it's not limited to a region, but it's extended to all people throughout the world. Now that we have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within us, Jesus is with us. He's with us today. So this wasn't just the beginning or the start of the ministry. This was actually a continuation of Jesus's ministry. And that's what he does when he sends the Holy Spirit to the Ephesians, to us today. And for this, we need the Spirit. Do we know that none of the things that we do depend on us? Do any of you know that? Do you realize that like, you don't have to put that pressure on yourself? This isn't about you striving to do something. Oftentimes, people would ask me about Reality LA, how did you guys accomplish all this stuff? And I would just kind of laugh to myself. You know, it was impossible. People were being saved daily. Um, there were lives being changed. People were being transformed. In fact, there was one time where I actually baptized, I think, over 120 people on a Sunday. Like, it was mind-blowing what God was doing. But people come up to you and they ask you, what's your formula? How'd you do that? And it's just almost laughable because it's the Holy Spirit working in and through us. There is no way that we can do anything apart from him. And the thing that's unbelievable is what God has done here in Carpinteria. That 
nine churches have been planted in 15 years, and that's through you guys, that God's used you. He's used your prayers. He's used your time. He's used your resources to do things that could never be done. And I just am saying this because I want you guys to be encouraged and remember who you are in Christ. That, yeah, we, we have a sin nature. It's tough. But when we rely on God, when we trust that the Holy Spirit's going to move, he moves in miraculous ways. Christianity is impossible without the Spirit. But for some, the Trinity is like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible, right? We love the Bible, and it was authored by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is a living, breathing text authored by the Holy Spirit. But we don't worship that. We worship God, and God is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he's our authority. He is God himself. That's the thing that is really interesting is that sometimes people think of the Holy Spirit not necessarily as God, but they think of him in a different kind of way. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within all the lives of the believers. And he's, who is he available to? Everyone who believes. Many people think, wait a minute. I'm not as on fire as this guy. Or why is this person doing this ministry and I'm not? And they start, we start sometimes looking at that thinking, well, I wish I had their gift, or I wish, you know, and this is the thing. The Holy Spirit gifts us. He gives us the ability to do these things, but a gift is something that is received. It's not earned. So you can't just think that, you know, first of all, we don't want to be jealous of other people's gifts because Paul tells us that the body all has important members. Even the smallest member of the body is very important to the body of Christ, to this church, to all of us. This is available to all of us. That's what I want you to know, is that the Holy Spirit's available to all of us, and the giftings that he gives us are unique. But his gifting is unique. The Holy Spirit lives to ever glorify Jesus. His purpose is to glorify Jesus. And so we don't want to be thinking about our life in terms of what other people have and what we don't have. We want to think of our life as we are unique people created in the image of Christ and that he's going to use us in a unique way for his glory. The Holy Spirit's power is not just this privilege of special people or special believers. He is not always preeminent in every believer, even though he is eminent in every believer. Let me explain that. This isn't a one-time experience. It's actually a lifestyle. We have to constantly be asking for the Holy Spirit to direct us in every circumstance. So secondly, we must rely on the Spirit. Ephesians 1.14 says, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Paul's saying that you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit for the whole of your life, all the way till the day that you see Jesus face to face, until you get your inheritance. This means that you and I need to continually rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's not a one-time event. It's a lifestyle. After all, Paul will go on to say in his letter to Ephesians that we must walk in the Spirit, and he applies it to our witness, our relationships, our parenting, our marriages, even our work. And how do we do this? Well, we look at what the Word is calling us to do, and we pray and ask for the Spirit's power to help. 
If we are going to be a church that continually relies on the Spirit, we must be a church that looks at God's Word and prays for the Spirit's help. Let me ask you this. Are you doing that today? Are you in a place where you know that you desperately need the Spirit's help to live out your life in Christ? Or are you in a place where you're striving? That's not God's heart for us. He wants us to just rely upon him, to lean upon him, to ask him continually. You know, when, we, when my first family first started attending church here at Reality Carpenteria, Tim Chaddock came up, and his first instinct was, let's start a Bible study. Let's do this. Let's do this. Britt said, wait. He's like, wait and do what? He's wait on the Lord and pray. So we began praying for close to a year before launching the first church plant in the Reality Family of Churches. You know, and that's not an easy thing, but it's a good thing. So our time of praying over the coming months, not only was it something that we were doing to show our desperation for the Lord, but it was setting precedent for what we would do in years to come. So we are a praying church. Our church is built on prayer. The foundation of our church came from prayer, and it will continually thrive through the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer. All of us here are responsible to be lifting up our praises before the Lord, our needs before the Lord, our cares before the Lord. And I'm not saying this to like put a burden on you. This is just a fact. And it's a gift that we get to do, not something that we have to do. Like I said, it's not a one-time event. It's a lifestyle. So this reminds us, again, what Jesus told the disciples in Acts about the Spirit. What would the Spirit do? Jesus said, when the Spirit will come upon you, you will be my witnesses. And as a witness, we not only wait on the Spirit, but we walk in the Spirit. We need power, not simply for what we're called to do, but something that we are to become, which is a witness. And what does that mean? It means there's three different things that I thought of when I thought about witness. One was to be a witness of Jesus, to be seen and heard, that your life would reflect the glory of who Christ is, that you would be walking temples of the Holy Spirit, that people would see that and desire to know, who is this Jesus? Why are you living like this? We want to do that with lives changed. You know, the disciples, everything that they do, that they did, would be shaped by this. The second thing was to be a witness to Jesus. A continuation, this is like having been changed, they witnessed to others. So they not just... It's not only that they are a reflection, but they are witnessing to others now because of what they've been given. So, you know, when you see, I always think about Instagram, like, why does everyone post pictures of things on Instagram of the world? Because you go somewhere, it's amazing, you want to tell everybody. Well, that's the same thing. I mean, Jesus has done incredibly amazing things for us and in us and through us. Do we not want to talk about them? I mean, that should be a natural response that we have. And I know that it can be awkward, like I said earlier, and I know that it can be difficult, but guess what? We come before the Father, the Holy Spirit leads us, and then we witness to others. But lastly, we are a witness unto Jesus, and that, that's a continuation of the first two, that we're continually going to him to be seen and heard, and then we are also showing others how we've been changed by telling them the story of what God's done in our life. So in short, this means to declare the good news of God and display it with our lives. Will we testify of Jesus in both word and deed? 
One of the great evidences that the Spirit is at work at you is a passion for the gospel begins to grow. And Paul shows this right at the beginning of Ephesians 1, which is all about the gospel. How? By the Spirit, by continually relying on the Spirit. After receiving the the Spirit, none of the disciples would have told you it was better to have the physical appearance of Jesus. They all knew that now they had the power of Jesus living and dwelling inside of them. So this is what Paul is reminding the Ephesians, and maybe we need to be reminded. But as we rely on the Spirit, we must remember, lastly, that we must relate to the Spirit. And what does this mean? In Ephesians 1.14, Paul refers to the Holy Spirit as one who is the guarantee of our inheritance. He begins with the word who. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He guides us, helps us, speaks to us, and manifests God's presence among us. It's possible to know him and grow in deeper dependence on him because he is a person. Later on in Ephesians, Paul even goes on to say that he can be grieved. You can't grieve a force or a power, but you can grieve a person. And that personhood is important for us to understand because as a believer, we're told to walk in the spirit, rejoice in the spirit, pray in the spirit. And then by doing so, it's possible to experience greater joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All the gifts of the Spirit, right? All the fruit of the Spirit. So we want to do that because we know that only He can work in and through us. So to sum all of this up, how do we relate, receive, and rely on the Spirit? By the cross. By the cross. That's why we have the Holy Spirit is because of what Jesus did. And the cross, Jesus gave us the ability to receive the Holy Spirit. He proved his reliability at the cross. He showed us that he's reliable, that he will do what he says he's going to do. From the beginning of time, Jesus knew he was going to the cross. He knew that it would be shameful. He knew that it would be hard. He knew that it would be a sacrifice, but he did it willingly because you are his prize. We can also relate to Jesus as our high priest who can sympathize with us because he became a man and he faced the same things, temptations, all the things that we go through as a man, as a woman. He understood that in our humanity, these things are difficult and he overcame them, but he overcame them sinless. And so the cross placed all of our guilt and shame upon this sinless man who replaced us by taking all we deserve and that, so that we would have the ability to receive from him, rely on him, and relate to him. Our work is great. We have a, God wants to do amazing things in this church, in Carpinteria, in the coastlands. And our time is short. Life goes by quick. And we don't know. We're not promised tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. But Jesus' power is limitless. His love is great. He lives so that we can live. Our life is limited apart from his empowering and presence in, with, and upon all of us. So let's submit all that we are to him. Let's today, as we walk out of this place, as we think about these things, let us be in a place where we submit all we have, our lives, our families, our vocations, everything that we have, that we would be filled overflowing to the presence of Jesus in our lives and that he would be glorified and the church would be edified. Let's pray. 
Lord, we just thank you that we can trust in you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead and guide us, that you, do, you divinely direct us. You even give us words that we don't know what we're going to say. And I just pray for this congregation, for all of us, Lord, that we would understand the desperate need we have for you, Lord. We cannot do any of this alone. Jesus, thank you that you conquered death, you conquered sin, you conquered Satan, and that you are our exceeding great reward. Be with us today, God. Work in us, Lord. Use this time as we reflect, as we think about what you are saying to us today to speak to our hearts in an amazing way. And for those that, that sense like, I don't know what you're talking about, you can, you can have this. Jesus is available to everyone. For those of you that don't know if you have a gifting of the Holy Spirit, pray, ask. For those of you that need the Holy Spirit to divinely direct and guide you in life, pray and ask. Let's wait on him. Let's see him work. Lord, we thank you that we can trust in you for all these things. Be with us, Lord, as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen.